This is the Rundown. Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. Live from the auction community studios for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. And right out of the gate, we're joined by Gambo, who stuck around for an extra segment. That's how big today was, and especially in the closing moments of your show, Gambo, about the final uh, hour or so. And, and uh, it was crazy. It was just bedlam today with everything that was going on. Well, and, and the final hour of your show, we find out. I mean, let's start there. Let's start with Patrick yeah, Peterson. Let's start with Pat P. Going to Minnesota. Yeah. Um, not surprised he left. The Cardinals were not that keen to bring him back, Luke. I mean, you know, he hasn't been very good for the last two years. He, you know, he doesn't tackle anymore. He doesn't play physical. He's just, they were not that excited to bring him back. But they also did not like the cornerback market. So they always kept open the option to bring him back. They weren't going to give him a multi year deal. The Cardinals had some interest earlier in maybe a one-year deal, I think for similar money to what he got. But they were not that excited to bring him back. I think he was looking for a fresh start somewhere else. With the way the last couple years have gone, it's it's easy, and, and I'm seeing a ton of it on social media, just good riddance to Patrick Peterson. He's not the same guy he was, not the same no. player. But, I mean, now that you look back at his tenure with the Cardinals, we're talking about one of the most recognizable Cardinals up to this point in his career. I mean, he's always kind of been in the shadow of Larry Fitzgerald in that regard, but for the longest time, Patrick Peterson was like, was the second big piece on the Cardinals. No question. And now it's weird because it is weird that he's gone now. And what do you do at corner now? Well, I think that's the, that's going to be the big issue. I mean, they have Robert Alford back and they have Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy could play your second cornerback spot and um, now, you're going to have to go get somebody. Now, you've got your draft pick, and there's three good corners in this draft, so you could draft one of those guys. But I'm very reluctant on drafting a cornerback in the first round and saying, go out there and play, because they two, there were two last year, Akuda and Henderson. Both guys struggled. It's a hard position to play in the NFL, especially for a rookie, so I'm not really keen on that. I'm glad they brought Alford back. He's uh, you know He hasn't played in two years, so you don't know what you're going to get, but he is a veteran guy. They're going to sign somebody, but they don't like the cornerback market. They just don't. So I've been telling everybody they're going to do all these other things, and they'll sign a corner, but I, I say it's a down corner, so that's down the line corner. Down the line, they'll sign a corner and bring somebody in, you know, at you know three, four, five million dollars, but they weren't going to pay ten million dollars for for you know for a cornerback. Uh, you said it was no surprise, and I do tend to agree with you there. But it, along those lines, you know, like you said, the Cardinals they know he's not the same player he was, but the corner market isn't great. Do you feel like they were prepared for this? Yeah, I think that they I think that they were prepared. I mean, Pat's not physical anymore, his skills have diminished and I mean they they know the tape doesn't lie. The Minnesota Vikings are paying for Patrick Peterson's name. They're not paying for Patrick Peterson the player. They're paying for the name, not the player. So look, in a perfect world, the Cardinals would have brought him back. That's why I said don't bet against it. You just you, you can't be sure, but you know, he doesn't tackle. I thought he would chase the money and he kind of did. He was. He said he's going to go to a playoff contender. The Vikings aren't a, a real contender. I mean, they're just not. Um, he wanted to go play for a great quarterback. There's not a great quarterback there. Yeah. So I think one year, ten million was probably the best deal that was on the table for him. So I mean, I guess along those lines, because certainly if you're going to tell me you want to go play for a quarterback that can throw downfield, Kirk Cousins is not a great quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, are we to the point now, Patrick Peterson's career, where he's going to go play for Minnesota for a year and then be somewhere else a year yes. later? Yeah, but that's happened. That's what happens. Look at Antonio Cromartie. Yeah. Look at a lot of these older cornerbacks. They last couple of years they bounce around for a few years. Well, you get to be thirty-one, thirty-two-year-old cornerback. It's it's hard to go get a three-year deal or four-year deal from a team. Usually, you have to play one year at a time. 
All right, let's get into some of the other moves today, yeah. and let's start with Rodney Hudson. You, you have been telling us really for a couple of days this was going to happen. Yes. Obviously, it wasn't done because they had to make a trade. But how important was it for the Cardinals to jump in and make a trade as opposed to, you know, if, if the Raiders had just let him go and they had to get into a bidding war money-wise with a team like the Chiefs? They were going to pay. The Cardinals were going to pay. They would have paid $12 million for him, no problem. They just don't know if he would have picked the Kansas City Chiefs over the Cardinals. I... I felt really good about the Cardinals' chances to get him. You know that. I, I told everybody they're going to get him. They're going to get him. I was pretty adamant, and I was in telling people on Twitter, I'll say the Cardinals. He's coming to the Cardinals. They were just adamant that they were going to get that guy. And I just believed, come hella high water, they were going to do whatever it took to get him here. They wanted him. They needed him. He was their guy. So I just The one thing, if he would have hit free agency, could he have went to Kansas City? Maybe. It's possible. And it's not, It wouldn't have been the Cardinals' fault. They would have offered him a great deal. And a chance to, you know, come here. But if he would have picked Andy Reid and his old team, then there's nothing they could have done about it. By trading him, they made sure that they, trading for him, they made sure that they got him and there was nothing Kansas City could do. There was so much focus on Corey Lindsley, and rightfully so. How shocked were they and other teams that Hudson even became available? I don't think they were shocked at all. I swear I'll take this to the grave with me. I think that they knew he was going to become available. And I'll tell you why. Lindsley signed Monday. And a lot of teams, after you miss out on your top target, you don't want to wait three more days to sign somebody. You, okay, we've got, what's our, what's, what's plan B? What's plan C? Let's go get that guy. We lost our center. Let's go get Alex Mack. Let's go get, uh, 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 Nick Martin. Let's go get some of these guys. They didn't do anything Monday. They didn't do anything Tuesday. I think that they knew all along that they had to save their cap space for this guy, that he was going to cost you 10 million in cap space or more. So I think, I really truly believe this. I think it played out this way, but I think that they knew after they didn't get Lindsley that this guy was going to be available and they were going to go all in for him, which is why, for me, to me, they didn't do a di- 100 free agents sign while they sat there and did nothing. I think that they knew that they had to hold their money for this guy. With, with the addition of him and with Kugler doing what he has done for this offensive line now for the last uh, couple years, I mean, are we at the point now where the offensive line of the Cardinals is a legitimate strength of this team? It has been for a few years. But the weak link last year was Mason Cole. I'd cut Mason Cole. $2.3 million. I'd save the 2.3 and I'd cut him. But it, the offensive line two years ago, it, it got a lot better. It was really good. AQ Shipley was the center. Last year with Mason Cole, it was still a good offensive line, especially on the left side yeah. with DJ Humphreys and Justin Pugh. And now your center is going to be one of the best in the league. And I think the right side will be okay, too. I like Beecham at right tackle. I like Murray at guard. I, and now you just got to make sure you have good depth. And Josh Jones is, go, is good depth for you. I think it is a strength of this team. Well, let's run through all these then real quick. How about A.J. Green coming over to be, I would assume, the Cardinals' number 2 receiver now? Yeah, you know, I, I got wind of this you know, yesterday that A.J. AJ Green could be a real possibility for them. Um, they were looking to spend about $6, 7000000 million on a receiver. They didn't want to go to 10. So every time somebody asked me about a wide receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster or Will Fuller, all the money guys you had to rule out because they weren't going to pay nine, ten million dollars for a wide receiver. Eleven, twelve, they weren't going to do it. Now this is risky. The guy for the last two years he's been on a downhill slide and he's had some injuries and he wasn't very productive and he's age. So it's a little risky, but not as risky as you would think. It's only a one year deal for six million. The incentives boosted up to eight, but it's really a one year deal for six million. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. He's a short-term answer, but they still need to get a long-term answer. People ask, why not T.Y. Hilton? They thought of T.Y. Hilton as a slot guy, not an outside guy. And now you can move Kirk to the slot, and you could have your outside guy for a year being A.J. Green. So, I mean, approaching it that way, do you think receiver is still a point of emphasis in the draft? Yes. Okay. 
Yes, because they don't have a long-term answer as your number two. Okay. So, yes, I do think that they will look at wide receiver in the draft because it's a good year for wide receivers. And you mentioned earlier how it is a little uncomfortable just assuming you're going to have to take a corner with the 16th pick and, and throw that guy into the fire, especially on a team that is very clearly going all in on this year, right? I mean, especially and, and for a guy like Cliff, you talk about the hot seat. I don't think he's on the hot seat right now, obviously, but if they miss the playoffs with all the pieces Steve Kime has given him now this year. It's going to be on Cliff. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be on Cliff. Look, I, sh- I ruled out a Dory Jackson today. There's just a, there's a lot of corners out there. They just gotta they just gotta sign one that they kind of like feel okay. They're not gonna love anybody they bring in a corner. Trust me, if they if they tell you that they're lying, if they sign a corner like this is the guy we want, no, there wasn't. The, they're just gonna they're just gonna get a body and somebody that might have a chance to compete. And you know, I think Byron Murphy again could play uh, the number two cornerback spot. Pat Pete's gone now. Your number one corner is either gonna be some veteran. Um, you know, that's on the market. I mean, they could make a trade, uh, but more than likely, it's going to be that first-round draft pick. Yeah, that's scary, considering the division they're in. Uh, Gambo, last one for you. Hassan Reddick to Carolina, one-year deal, basically $8 million. Not a surprise he left with the way the, the offseason has gone, but are you surprised that that was the deal he got? I'm, her, I'm hearing it's $6 million. I mean, the incentives million get boosted incentives. up to okay. 8 but it's a ba- the base is 6 is what I'm being told. He wanted twelve. I know that. He wanted $12 million a year. He ended up signing for half of that, and incentives could boost that up a little bit. No, the Cardinals, look, I, I'm surprised that he went to a system that's a 4-3 because he's not a 4-3 player. He's a 3-4 player. So I am very surprised that he went to a system that is a 4-3. That's what Carolina runs is a 4-3. He's not the most, you know, as far as instincts and everything, head on a swivel, that's not him. He's more of a put your hand in the dirt and go get the quarterback when he's asked to do things, and that's why I think it'll be tough for him in a 4-3. I don't know that he'll be able to, to excel in that system because he doesn't read things that well. He can rush the passer, but he's not really great at, 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 at the run. He's not really great at having to cover anybody. So the Cardinals were not uh, on a one-year deal for $5 million, They may have brought him back, but they weren't interested in keeping him. Gambo, great stuff, man. I know it's been a busy day. I appreciate you sticking around. You got it anytime, minutes. Luke. Thanks, Gambo. All right, we come back. We're going to get deeper into this, obviously. Patrick Peterson is now a member of the Minnesota Vikings, and the Cardinals look drastically different than they did 24 hours ago. We'll jump into it next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. <laughs> Kind of a busy day around the NFL. We've just picked apart the Burns and Gambo show. I would have asked Burns to stick around too, but I feel like he probably had plans after the show. So now Jordan Bird is in here. Is that insinuating that Gambo and myself have no plans? Well, no, but I, you know, yeah, it is. Oh, all right. Well, you're accurate. <laughs> well, Gambo had to do it because now he's been on every show today, so he really had no choice. He did the, uh, uh, not the trifecta. The what would that be? The Quadfecta. Yeah. I don't think that's every show Gambo was on today. <laughs> that's, that's true. He's going to end up on ESPN Radio after this show at eight o'clock. Um, and actually, you and I had this already planned before all the stuff went down today. We were already going to plan to have you on here for a little bit. So let's uh, let's start, Bird. Let's just let's begin with Patrick Peterson. News broke. I don't know what about an hour ago, a little over an hour ago, that he signs a one year deal with the Vikings. So before we do anything else. Just give me your initial reaction to this as somebody that has been a season ticket holder for the Cardinals for how long? Uh, since I was 17 years old. So, okay. I mean, we're coming up on 20 years. Date back to the Sun Devil Stadium. Cool. And that's where I distinguish the real fans from the fake fans. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> if you got sunburned out at Sun Devil Stadium in front of 10,000 fans, uh, you know, you're a real lifer with the Cardinals. Um, Side note, I went to two game, two Cardinals games ever there because I had just moved here right as they 
Saw fights in both games. Oh, yeah. Fights right next yeah. to me in both and games. And you probably saw the dude uh, sunbathing in a section all by himself in the <laughs> upper deck as well. I mean, yeah. it was great times out there. Yeah. Um, I I said yesterday when I was filling in for Gambo on Burns and Gambo, I had already made my piece that Patrick Peterson was gone. I had already made it up in my mind that he was gone for a variety of issues. One, I thought he was going to be too expensive. Two, he is not the player that he used to be. And every time he spoke about his future and, and you know how the Cardinals should do right by him or it's a decision that's out of his hands, he always would run down this resume that was stuff that he accomplished five years ago. I mean, that he was on the all-decade team and that he was so many years consecutive a pro bowler. It was nothing that he had done recently. Yeah. I mean, and so to me, I'm... I'm glad that the Arizona Cardinals no longer have Patrick Peterson. Uh, I think Burnsy really hit on something that as much as I have soured personally on Patrick Peterson over the last few years, I don't want that to diminish all the good that he did for the Arizona Cardinals. But that sour taste in my mouth or the sour taste in any Cardinals fan's mouth, I believe, is fully on Patrick Peterson. His quality of play wasn't there, and he did himself no favors by the way that he conducted himself in certain situations off the field as well. It's interesting you say that because I would say up until the 2018 season, which we don't really speak of around here anymore, but that's really when things kind of went sideways for Patrick Peterson. I would say he was one of the all-time favorite Cardinals. Like if you would ask Cardinals fans, okay, let's go all-time and and give me your top five favorite Cardinals. Obviously, Larry Fitzgerald is going to be number one on the the huge majority of lists. But I do think up until 2018, when he started hinting he wanted out, and then you know apologizing at a golf tournament and saying he didn't want out, and then saying he did and getting suspended and all that, and, and also as you said, getting worse on the field. Up until 2018, I really do think he was one of the all time favorites. Now I, I don't know what his legacy is. Well, I mean, and to your point, I mean, every year before that, he was a Pro Bowler. Yeah. So he was consistently producing on the field. He was, you know, involved in the community and, you know, things like that. So there was no reason to, uh, you know, have a bad view of Patrick Peterson. And I'm not trying to say that I have this terrible, like, oh, my God, I mean, it's ding dong, the witch is dead type view. But I just don't think it made sense to bring back Patrick Peterson or for him to uh, continue to be a part of this organization moving forward with where the Cardinals are going and where he is going currently right now. Yeah, I, I'm, I think I'm a little towards the other side, just in the sense of if I could have got him back for $6 million or something. I Only because there aren't any other options out there that jump out to me like, oh, okay. Now, I mean, look, we saw this with Corey Lindsley. He ends up not being available because the Chargers swooping to get him, and all of a sudden Rodney Hudson's there and the Cardinals are all over it. Maybe some other corner magically becomes available, but I, I do tend to agree with what Gambo just said last segment. They're probably going to have to go through the draft. Are you, are you, because I do agree with you in the sense that Peterson just was not the same guy. I mean, that's not, it's not even a debate. He clearly had dropped off. So it would have been more of a, let's just keep him around because there's nobody better, which is kind of a weird way to, to run things. Are you at all happy though, that he's not like on Seattle or San Francisco and come back and burn the team for another year? Yeah. I mean, in that respect, I mean, if uh, there was that Josh Weinfuss tweet yesterday that was saying, you know, he's down to three contenders and. The it's the Cardinals and the other two are playoff teams from the last two years. And if you were going off that list, Seattle was one of those teams on that list. Yeah. And so, yeah, you always want to avoid the 
the revenge game, if you will, especially if it's in division and you have to play them twice. Now, the Vikings do play at State Farm Stadium next fall in in Glendale, so that's going to be a real treat. And I am fascinated because hopefully we should have a full building of fans for that game if we continue to trend the way that we are right now. Uh, How are the fans going to receive him (laughs) at State Farm Stadium? I don't think it's well. See, I don't. I think it's going to be a real fifty-fifty because I mean, I, I've seen a lot, like I'm on a group text with a lot of my buddies, and you know, some of them are like, you know, oh my god, I can't believe this. Others are right there with me. My wife though sent me a text that I feel like sums it up perfectly. Okay, I t- I texted her. Patrick Peterson just signed with the Vikings. Oh wow. Well, he kept bleeping up last year. <laughs> they can have him. <laughs> And so I feel like that's kind of where Cardinal fans are. And the one thing that does give me pause right now is kind of what you were hinting on. Where do they go next? How do they replace him? But he was not good last year. So, I mean, it's a small benchmark to try to clear in terms of finding someone that can, I mean, if we're being brutally honest, you can find any cornerback that can rack up the defensive pass interference calls he had. That's true. I could that do that. can't get across the middle and get through linebackers and get picked and get rubbed on passing routes. So, I mean, it's not like he is the player that he used to be, and all of a sudden now you have to replace a all-pro player. You're replacing a guy who, according to Pro Football Focus and their grades, was one of the worst cornerbacks in the NFC West division. Yeah, and and he definitely, as you were sort of alluding to earlier, still was talking about himself like he is a Pro Bowl player, which, you know, it's fine. When you hit the field on Sundays, you need to have that mentality. I get that. But just to be clear, my stance on if I would have wanted Patrick Peterson back, it would have been $6 million and he wants to come back, which those are two things that they were pretty clear well before today. I would say pretty clear by the end of the season, we're not going to happen. The one thing, though, that he has never really been in this type of position before with a one-year deal, whether it's with the Vikings or if he had come back to Arizona one year, six million, we've never really seen him in a full make-it-or-break-it type season. Yeah. Now, you could say this last year was because it was the last year of his contract, but that was a lengthier deal that it was coming to the conclusion of. I mean, if he doesn't produce this upcoming season with the Minnesota Vikings, then really what's his future after that. So does a motivated Patrick Peterson change anything? Not to say that he wasn't already motivated, but you know you you know the the old adage a guy in a legitimate contract year does that change the way that he performs? I think that works better for certain positions over other ones. Like if I if I was Patrick Peterson and I had been in the league for 10 years now and I played corner I would like a multi-year deal. And I'm sure he wanted a multi-year deal, but he gets one year, $10 million from the, the Vikings just because we've seen Peterson in the past be great, and you don't really have stats when you're great as a corner. You know what I mean? You, That's you a valid point. You yeah. can't go point. It's not, it's not like a running back who's like, okay, I'll, I'll show you guys. to Give me a one-year deal. I'll go out there and get 1,500 yards on the ground. You can't do that as, as a corner. So now, I mean, if they have to go corner through the draft... They are very clearly going all in on this season. I mean, you don't go out and sign J.J. Watt and A.J. Green and make the moves they have made. This is, I think, 100% a make-or-break year for for Cliff Kingsbury, at least. I'm a little nervous about starting J.C. Horn at, at corner in a season where I have to win in a division with Seattle and the Rams and the 49ers. To me, that's almost a dream scenario. 
because I've seen plenty of mock drafts that have those top three cornerbacks oh, off the yeah, board by gone. 16. Yeah. So if you don't land one of those guys, you're talking about a second-tier guy and probably if you want to go as high as the 16th pick or in the later rounds. The other scenario is just trying to plug up the holes with guys that you already have. Byron Murphy was, what, a second-round pick? Yeah, first pick of the second round. And the fact that... I understand that he is great. It suits him best that he is a slot corner. He is a nickel corner. But if you're going to use a draft pick that high, at the moment, I think even the Cardinals would admit that they had higher aspirations for Byron Murphy than being the third cornerback on the Cardinals' defense. Now, the way that the NFL plays now, that is a valuable spot because so many wide receivers are out on the field. I understand that. But to say that we're going to use the first pick in the second round on a nickel corner... I that's a potentially another missed opportunity. And so do you try to see if Byron Murphy can lock down one of those other corner, like one of the left or right side, Robert Alford? I know people are laughing. The guy hasn't been healthy in two straight years, but you got uh, he's a free agent as well, but you could bring back Jonathan Joseph. You might be able to piecemeal this together. It's still not appetizing, but that's a route that the Cardinals could go down. Yeah, and it's not the strength of the Cardinals' defense at this point. In fact, when we come back, we'll get into what the strength of this defense is and why they might be able to get by without a whole lot of additional help at the cornerback position. That is next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. All right, Luke Lipinski back here with you, joined by Jordan Bird. Bird, where can they hear you? Pretty much everywhere on the station, right? I'm like a... I'm like Josh Rojas. I'm just a utility guy that steps in when needed. Wow. I did not expect to hear a whole lot of Josh Rojas references today, considering how different the Arizona Cardinals look at this point. So you were talking during the break, sort of feels like the end of an era. It's the end of at least a a portion of an era. We still don't know what Larry Fitzgerald's doing, but Patrick Peterson, in case you're just jumping in your car right now or somehow missed this over the last hour, uh, Patrick Peterson going to the Vikings on a one-year deal worth $10 million. So that's going to be weird. I'm just, as as somebody that has followed football his entire life, it's going to be strange to see Patrick Peterson playing football in a Vikings helmet. And honestly, all the teams that we heard that made sense, Buccaneers made sense, Chiefs made sense, his own podcast, Brian McFadden, brought up uh, the the Cardinals, the Jets, the Jets, the 49ers, which I would not have liked. And then out of nowhere, he ends up on the Vikings. Yeah. And so what really was his criteria for finding a new team? Not uh, a good quarterback. Well, yeah, on that same podcast two weeks ago, he said or he didn't come right out and say it, but he kind of was alluding to it. And Brian McFadden kind of pushed him into it was that, oh, it's got to be a team that has a quarterback that can spin it. Yeah. Well, if if that's your number one criteria, I think you would put half the league <laughs> ahead of before you start to get to the Minnesota Vikings. And so if you think, oh, man, he's going to be cashing in. I know Gambo has been saying that the $10 million figure might only be up to $10 million and that it might take a lot of incentives for him to get to that benchmark. So yeah, it it, like eight plus maybe two in incentives. Maybe it made. So it, I wouldn't classify that as a huge payday as well. Um, so I, I really don't know what the thinking is here. Um, and maybe that was his highest offer and maybe that's what ultimately decided this for him. But I just look at this with Patrick Peterson now gone to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, 
I assume Larry Fitzgerald is... It feels like it, right? I, right now, for me personally, I think it's a greater chance that he goes and plays somewhere else than he plays for the Cardinals uh, this upcoming it, that's year. That's the only option I don't want. I'm not going to hate him. I'm not, no, I, I, I'm not going to be upset it at Larry Fitzgerald on what no matter team. where he goes. Eh, there's, there's no team Fitz could go to. The Minnesota Vikings, his hometown team. That's that, look, he's earned it. He's earned the right. Well, to that's do that. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if I'm if, trying to think if there's a team that he that Larry Fitzgerald could go to that would upset me, Seattle, San Francisco, yeah. the L.A. Rams. The, I don't think the Rams would bother me as much, but yeah, those other two. Um, so I'm under the impression that Fitz is gone as well in one form or another. I still think he more than likely than not retires, but. Man, this is going to be a real passing of the torch. Kevin Zimmerman, who works for ArizonaSports.com, he sent out a tweet that, based off of the quick research he did, DJ Humphreys is now the longest tenured member of the Arizona Cardinal roster. Wow. And that he was drafted wow. in 2015. Yeah, that's... The- <laughs> I know there's a lot of turnover in the NFL, but there's also a lot of roster spots in the NFL. You'd think you'd have like a punter that had hung around for 12 years or something. Well, and that's kind of alludes to another facet of that has me concerned about this upcoming offseason is that means that there hasn't been a ton of draft picks that have panned out for the Arizona Cardinals. If we're talking about DJ Humphreys being the longest tenured guy. Yeah, well, so before we move on past anything else with Patrick Peterson, this is that clip you're talking about from his All Things Covered podcast from, this is only from last week, and and he was asked what it's going to, what he's going to be looking for if he leaves Arizona. Again, this is a week ago, he's already left Arizona now. As far as considered playing for, no, no, I'm not considered playing for, yeah, I consider playing for anybody that have, like Nick said, Quarterback, you know, if you don't have a quarterback, you know, it's always pretty difficult on trying to win a football game. So, whoever has a a quarterback that can spin the rock and um, also collect enough wins to get in the playoffs, that gives it give us a shot to you know win it all. You like that? You like that? (laughs) Maybe he meant like a quarterback that can spin the ball like on his finger. Maybe Kirk Cousins is really good about like that trick where he can spin it in practice. Cousins is not. God awful. It's not like he's Don't tell that to Vikings fans. Well, but it's okay. I would still if we're keeping it inside the NFC North division, I would rather have Kirk Cousins right now as my starter than Andy Dalton with the Bears. So I mean, you can find other <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is a genius. Yeah, you can hang out in that division. You can find other teams that have a worse situation, but when I thought I you know, I once again, when I'm hearing that cut and thinking about a great quarterback or a chance to win, I'm going to name 15 other teams that meet that criteria, or if not more, before I get to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm just trying. This is like that old game show where you're like, I can name 20. I bet I could name like 22-ish teams yeah. that that either have a better team or a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins, one or the other. Um, if you are in that group, which I, I think is a pretty small minority, honestly, among Cardinals fans right now, that's like, great, Patrick Peterson's gone. What are we going to do in the secondary? I would just remind you of this very obvious fact that it's easy to look past in the moment because you're like, okay, well, what are we going to do? A corner. And that, it is a big deal. You've got Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, and Marcus Golden rushing the passer. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure quarterbacks are going to have enough time to look in the Cardinals secondary if all things go according to plan this year. Yeah, but how many times do the plans in mid-March <laughs> go according to those Always, plans right? once we roll around to the yeah, fall. Yeah. yeah, but no, you're right. I mean, you bring back Marcus Golden. You now have J.J. Uh, Watt, a healthy Chandler Jones. This should be a pass rush that makes life very difficult for opposing quarterbacks. I just, 
don't know if that's something that you really want to rely upon. The other thing, if we're trying to find these silver linings with the depleted secondary, is in a perfect world, if we're going to talk about you know how everything going roses and peaches from this point on, you would think that you would have an offense that has no trouble scoring points. So yeah. you get into a, hey, we're going to put up 35 points a game. Do your best to try to outscore us. I want to believe that. I know. I, I felt even sick saying that. I, 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 I gotta be. I gotta be honest here. I'm more confident that that JJ Watt and Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden terrorize opposing quarterbacks next year than that the Cardinals are just a lock to score points offensively. I thought they we should have been last year. I just thought we were in the trust tree yeah, where right, we could just right. share our hopes and dreams for what this Cardinal season could I'm, look I'm like. Sorry, yes. No, I don't. I don't want to break that trust. Uh, sticking with the defense here, Hassan Reddick to Carolina, one year deal. You know. There's a couple ways to look at this, much like Patrick Peterson, although he doesn't have nearly the same connections to the Cardinals long term that, that, that Peterson has. I'm not shocked at all that Reddick is gone. And I understand the connection to Matt Rule in Carolina. They have a connection all the way back to Temple. So I get that. But Gamble pointed this out last segment. Why is Hassan Reddick willing to switch defensive schemes again? We've already seen what he does in a 4-3, and it's not great. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, that's all we heard this last season was after four some odd years, they finally figured out how to use utilize him to his strengths. Yeah. And, and so then you're now going to revert back. Maybe he's, you know, been hearing from Rule that there's some way that they're going to incorporate him into that Carolina defense that will best suit his skills. But I, I don't know. I felt like Hassan Reddick was fool's gold even going into this offseason. I mean, everyone... Props up the 12 and a half sacks. He had five of them in one game against a rookie against a rookie and against the Giants. And then if you look before that, I think there was like a four or five game stretch where he was basically a non-factor. So uh, even if you take the five away, seven and a half is not anything to shake a stick at. But everyone, you know, double digit sacks and 12 and a half sacks. Well, to me, that came with a little bit of a caveat that it was a severely inflated by just one game. I would have had a lot more confidence in him putting up not similar numbers. I don't think he was getting 12 and a half again, but putting up good numbers this year if he had just stayed with the Cardinals and w- and was in the same scheme with the same defensive coordinator and everything as opposed to switching teams. If I put that we did this like 2 weeks ago. If I put the number out there, if I said over under eight sacks for Hassan Reddick this season. Now that we know what team he's on, are you taking the over or the under? I'm taking the under. Yeah, I think uh, even if he'd returned to the Cardinals, I would be taking the under because there's they, only so many sacks to go around. Well, and also you're going to have Chandler Jones back. You're going to have JJ Watt. Uh, you know, Jordan Phillips potentially could break out after a, a disappointing 2020. Um, I guess to me the bigger question was who would you rather have had back? Marcus Golden or Hassan Reddick? If it came down, and I'm not saying it did, but if it did come down to one or the other for the Cardinals, where do you fall in that camp? I mean, I've seen it more from Golden. Golden had 10 sacks with the Giants like last year, like 2019. The guy gets to the quarterback. I, this is why I would I would need an agent if I was in the NFL, like if I was an NFL player, because if I'm Hassan Reddick, I'm looking and I'm saying, okay, Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, Marcus Golden, I, there's not even going to be an offensive lineman on me if I come back to the Cardinals. I can just run straight at the quarterback on every play. I will be unblocked. Because who else? You can, you can only block so many guys. So an interesting decision by him. I understand. Got to get paid. But just a one-year deal. So he's sort of on a prove-it deal in a scheme that doesn't 
fit. Another guy in this conversation that may have made Redick uh, dispensable is Dennis Gardak. Yeah. I mean, we saw what he could do. And if you're talking about all of these other key people on the Arizona Cardinal defense grabbing the attention of the blocking schemes of opposing teams, if you have Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden, J.J. Watt, and to a lesser extent, whoever is the interior line for the Cardinals, are you going to pay more attention to them or Dennis Gardak? I mean, Gardak should be able, and whoever kind of floats around in that role, there should be a lot of scraps for some of these Cardinal players that we're not even discussing right now to really feast on this upcoming season. It is going to be disappointing if this Cardinals team is not, I don't know, top three or four in the NFL in sacks. And and look, to be fair, they're going to need to be in the top, at least the top five probably in sacks, because right now their secondary is a lot of questions. You mentioned Robert Alford. Uh, I was in here doing the show with Wolf last Friday when Robert Alford, when that deal came down, Wolf was... Wolf was saying they need to do it before it happened, then it happened. And you know how Wolf is. Wolf was like extremely excited. And if Alford can stay on the field, I like having him back, but we haven't seen him play an actual game for the questions there. Question with Byron Murphy as far as if he can be a number one corner right now, but you do have a pass rush that should be among the very best in the league. All right, it's not just the defense. When we come back, the Cardinals, in case you've been working today, whatever you haven't been paying a whole lot of attention, this Cardinals team looks drastically different right now than it did 24 hours ago, really even than 12 hours ago. So we'll get into the offensive side of the ball next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hi, welcome back to the show. Luke Lipinski here, joined by Jordan Bird. That's how big of a day today was. Jordan Bird stuck around an extra hour after work, and I'm sure you weren't busy at all during your... uh, your run on Burns and Gambo today, right? That was a pretty mild day. Yeah, I mean, you know, just a ho-hum Wednesday. Um, we haven't even talked about the offensive side of the football because of the Patrick Peterson news that came down right around 5 o'clock that he has signed with the Minnesota Vikings one-year deal. So Peterson's gone. Uh, Hassan Reddick is in Carolina now on a one-year deal. But, Bird, let's talk about the Cardinals that are here now on the offensive side of the ball. And really the biggest Cardinals news today happened much earlier in the day, but they go out there and they get Rodney Hudson from the Raiders. And, you know, I made this joke the other day. We're in that three-week stretch of the year where everybody is suddenly an offensive line expert. So I'm yeah. not, I'm, I didn't play offensive line in the NFL, so I'm not going to pretend that I did. Um, I know you guys had Max Starks on. I'm going to play some of the clips of him uh, throughout the show talking about Rodney Hudson. But the reviews on him from people that know are glowing. It's so tough because you're right. Is there a worse position for the average fan to try to scout or try to get a a pulse on? I mean, because it's one of those things, and you said it earlier, like with cornerback, that if if a player is great along the offensive line, you don't even notice them. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I think with that position, I think if you, like us, and we're following the, these teams every day for, for work, or if you're, if you're a really hardcore fan, you can look and say, that guy's a good offensive lineman, or that guy's a bad offensive lineman. But when you're sitting there comparing four or five of the best True. to yeah. say, okay, this guy's actually two and this guy's three. Yeah. I mean, I honestly went to Pro Football Focus for their center grades. Yeah. And according to them last season, you had uh, Rodney Hudson, who was the eighth best center in the NFL. Mason Cole was 31st. So significant upgrade in that respect. Um, but to me, it was something that Max Stark said with Bickley and Murata about how having a veteran sound center can really take a lot of the pressure and a lot of the workload off of Kyler Murray. And if we're being honest about the biggest development for Kyler Murray, it's still getting used to 
just being the quarterback IQ of the NFL. Kyler has all the physical abilities. There's, uh, to me, there's not a question about that. It's him being able to read defenses properly. Him being able to audible out of stuff. I don't even know, quite honestly, if he has that uh, that leash. Do the Cardinals allow him to do that kind of stuff because of just you know how young he is in the NFL? But if you have a guy that can, for lack of a better phrase, basically hold Kyler Murray's hand while they're trying to orchestrate their offense, how is this not a home run hire? Oh, it, I mean, it is. And look, on top of that, I'm just looking for a guy that doesn't get false start penalties from the center position. That, that was just it was brutal last year. And I'm not pinning this all on Mason Cole by any means. But it was, it was just and Mason Cole, by the way, I mean, when he was a rookie and they asked him to step in all along the line, I thought he was really good as a rookie. He regressed this last season, and that's alarming. Um, some of the numbers on on Rodney Hudson, you mentioned Pro Football Focus. They have him labeled as the best pass-blocking center since 2015. So that's, that's pretty good. The stat, and there's not a lot of offensive line stats, but the stats that were thrown out there, roughly 35, I don't have the exact number, but it was right around 3,500 pass-block attempts. His last 3,500, he's allowed three sacks. Yeah, his last sack came on December 31st, 2017. Yeah. 48 straight games he has played. Without giving up a sack. And the Raiders had a really good offensive line. And I credit Steve Kime. You know, I said this said this out in the newsroom before. Steve Kime making trades is like Shaq dunking. And Steve Kime at the draft is like Shaq shooting free throws. <laughs> so I want I want to trade my third round pick for Rodney Hudson. Because you're not going to get a guy as good as Rodney Hudson in the third round. Kime has done a remarkable job over really his entire time with the Cardinals, of finding a team that's about to do something stupid and jumping in. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, Houston, you're going to do something dumb? Can I help you? The Raiders should not have let this guy go by all accounts. And that's what's interesting is yesterday when we thought that the Raiders were just going to upright release him, I thought that Rodney uh, Hudson coming to Arizona was a pipe dream. Yeah. Because how many other teams were going to be in pursuit of him? How many other teams were going to make their best offer, best run at him? And he has connections with Kansas City and might also be holding a grudge now against the Raiders and say, hey, I want to stay within the division and cash in with an organization that I'm already familiar with. So it it benefited the Cardinals that they didn't. And now he stays uh, with or he gets traded, and at least for the moment, there has been some speculation that the Cardinals might restructure his contract. But as it stands right now, he's cheaper than Corey Lindsley, the guy that they missed out on in free agency. So, I mean, it's win win wins across the board. One other thing, though, that I'm curious to see how it's going to have an impact with the Cardinals is the run game, having this guy in the middle. Kenyon Drake seemed like he was allergic to running between the tackles last year. (laughs) And maybe that was something specifically on him, or maybe he didn't see the holes. If there was holes there for him to run through, if that, if either one of those really is the case, especially with the Cardinals bringing in a new back, whoever that may be. But if you have a road grader at the center of your offensive line, opening up those holes, this is also going to benefit the Cardinals' run game as well. This, I think it was Bickley that said this. This is this is not a flashy move, but this is their best move so far. I mean, oh, yeah. As much as I like JJ Watt, and that that's the other one, I guess that could be right there. But this may be a move where it's like, oh, you know, the Cardinals' offense looks a lot better this year, and you don't think back to this day when you got yeah. Rodney Hudson. Uh, before I let you go, because it is seven o'clock, I don't want to keep you here all night. I, I want to get your thoughts on AJ Green, who. 
once upon a time was one of the best receivers in the NFL. The Cardinals are really hammering that 2011 draft. <laughs> yes, they're, they are. They're all in on that one. It was a good draft, though, at least. Uh, there's some risk here just in the sense, not not monetarily, I don't feel like there's risk, but there is risk in the sense of if he's not steady this year, all I wanted was a steady number two receiver. He kind of, in a weird way, feels like more of an upside guy. To me, though, it's an upgrade from what the Cardinals already have. Well, yes. If you take Larry Fitzgerald out of the equation, which I do believe he is not going to play next year for the Cardinals one way or another, then you're looking at Christian Kirk as the number two wide receiver. And no offense to Kirk, he has his moments. He has his place within this offense, but it's not being the number two wide receiver. So to me, it's an upgrade in that respect. And When you talk about any of these free agents, specifically at the wide receiver position, there's a reason why they've been made available. All of them have blemishes. All of them have flaws in one form or another. And so you're not going to get a guy that's 100% I'm sold on. He have no questions, no qualms at all about this guy. The one thing that I do think is interesting is the number of his percentage of catches off of targets last season. He only caught 45% of his targets. That was weird. And my immediate reaction is to say, well, he had a rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow went down and Kyle Allen took over. But the other receivers for Cincinnati had far better numbers. Uh, Tyler Boyd was 71% of his targets. T. Higgins, 62%. So is that something that is on A.J. Green? Or is that something that is a mixture of himself along with the lack of quality quarterback play in Cincinnati last season. And that's that's a fair question because I, I think the, the pushback could be like a guy like T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, those are those are potentially really good receivers and we just maybe don't totally know it yet. But you look through his AJ Green's career numbers and I mean he does he has a year in there where he made seventy five catches on hundred forty five targets. I mean that's yeah. that's but he hasn't really ever had great quarterback play in Cincinnati. Don't tell that to the Bears who apparently think Andy Dalton is the answer. Andy Dalton was a pro bowler a few years in Cincinnati, and A.J. Green was a big reason why. I mean, he helped him out in that respect. Before I let you go, the offense now for the Cardinals features Kyler Murray, Rodney Hudson, D.J. Humphreys on the offensive line, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk at receiver. They're going to have a running back. You know, They have other pieces, certainly. That, to me, is a lineup that Cliff Kingsbury, who's an offensive guru, needs to get to the playoffs with. Is he a guru? Well, <laughs> is is suppo- he a guru? He's supposed to be an offensive yeah. guru. He's an offensive mind. Well, I'm also not supposed to be 80 pounds overweight, but oh. here I am. You know, I mean, <laughs> the reality of the situation. That's the thing that fascinates me the most with this offense now is, does Cliff Kingsbury see the light and how to utilize these pieces? Because if A.J. Green watched any tape last year, I'm sure he's not too excited about having... 53-yard screen passes thrown to him in the upcoming season. AJ, you're going to stand right there yeah. all season. <laughs> and so, and I think this all though works in concert with one another. If if Rodney Hudson can provide stability along the offensive line, protect Kyler, and help him learn the IQ aspect of being an NFL quarterback, then maybe you don't have DeAndre Hopkins running just on one side of the field, or running his routes on one side of the field. Maybe if the you utilize DeAndre Hopkins a little bit more. You don't have to rely so much on screen passes. I mean, it's all in connection with one another. And so as we stand right now with still months to go before we'll actually know what it looks like on the field, I think the Cardinals are making the right moves. It now is going to just put extra pressure on Cliff Kingsbury 
to get it right with the play calling and the scheming of how he uses them. Yeah, expectations are up. It's a competitive division, but still. Bird, great stuff, man. we got to do this more often. Yeah, appreciate it, man. All right, it's Jordan Bird checking in. We'll come back. Hour number two of the show begins with the reload. Next, it's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Well, hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here with you. Mitch Vereldis behind the glass, stepping in in the uh, <laughs> pretty big day of, uh, of sports here. We got plenty to get into here in the reload, and I'm going to reorder it. This is one of those days where you have a show sheet and then you throw it out like five minutes before the show because everything changes. Patrick Peterson, one-year deal worth reportedly $10 million. Now, that may be $10 million with incentives. We don't totally know that yet, but either way, one-year $10 million deal with the Minnesota Vikings. So, Patrick Peterson, no longer an Arizona Cardinal. Uh, not a shock. I think it was it was certainly trending this way. I don't know that many people are surprised that he left. I'm a little surprised he went to Minnesota. But even if you're not shocked that he left, this is different now, right? He came up in the 2011 draft. That was a loaded draft. We were gonna we were actually gonna do a rough draft of that tonight, but we're gonna have to do that a different night. Um, because there's so much stuff going on. But yeah, Patrick Peterson not in a Cardinals uniform. That's going to be weird. This was one of those moves you anticipate happening and you talk about it for weeks and you try to just remove as much sting as possible. But then when it actually happens and you see where he goes, it kind of stings a bit, in my opinion. Yeah. I, You can argue you didn't want him back at all. He was going to be too pricey, whatever. The dude has a tenure here. He's going to be a Ring of Honor member here. Like, it stings, no matter where he goes. It, it is going to be interesting. Jordan Bird brought this up the last hour when he was in here. The Vikings travel to Arizona this upcoming season. Like, the way the NFL schedule set up, you don't know. We don't know the dates yet. The NFL hasn't done their schedule release. But you know what teams you're going to play home and road. So we know they're going to play the Vikings at State Farm Stadium. So Patrick Peterson comes back. I'm assuming there will at least be some, if not a good chunk of fans at these games by, by next football season, hopefully. What is his reception going to be from, from Cardinals fans? Because he did voluntarily leave. His legacy is not like the guy didn't get in trouble off the field. I understand he got suspended for, for PEDs, but it's not like he was like a bad guy off the field. And he has quite the legacy here with, with the Cardinals here in the Valley up until about 2018. Then it started to go kind of sideways with him hinting he wanted to leave. And when, when it was kind of felt like kicking the Cardinals fans when they were down at that point. He has every right to leave via free agency, and I'm not even like I know a lot of Cardinals fans didn't want him back anyway. But he did a lot of great things here for the the better part of a decade. So I do wonder what that reception is going to be like. You could say that relationship's a little complicated, a little fractured, yeah. but I think the majority, overwhelming, still has that piece in their heart for Pat P. Doesn't see now Fitz has to come back just to match up against Patrick Peterson in that one game. Everybody's already speculating he's going to join him in Minnesota, yes. and and my question is, since when did that all of a sudden become a discussion point? Just because one guy leaves? Well, Fitz, I mean, obviously being from Minnesota, but right, I I think I think winning is is the only thing at this point that matters to Larry Fitzgerald. Whereas Patrick Peterson, I think, was probably still trying to get paid. Nothing wrong with that, but um, you mentioned Larry Fitzgerald. We still don't know what's going to happen with Larry Fitzgerald. And I go back and forth on this. The logic side of my brain says it's never taken this long for Larry Fitzgerald to make an announcement. 
And every year when he's announced by like Newsmakers Week here at the very latest, it's always been in February at the latest, he's always come back. So now it's not like it's March 3rd. The legal tampering period has passed. Free agency has started. It's the new NFL league year. Happy New Year, by the way. Larry Fitzgerald, the fact that he still hasn't announced in the way the Cardinals have been relatively aggressive. I mean, going out and getting J.J. Watt, they're going to end up paying Rodney Hudson less. But, I mean, they went out and signed A.J. Green today. It really makes me believe that he is retiring and he kind of tipped them off to it just in the sense of, hey, you know, I understand you guys got to make your moves. I don't want to make this announcement yet, just in case. Because the other part of this, and maybe this isn't the logical part of my brain, maybe this is the emotional part. I do wonder if Fitz looks and is like, man, bring in AJ Green. What if he? What if he recaptures lightning in a bottle for a year or two? JJ Watt, I think, legitimately will be good. Uh, now the offensive line's better. Like, well, I wonder if Fitz does look and say, like, you know, maybe I would come back for. He's obviously not getting what he made last year, but I just wonder. Because at first it's like, well, they can't afford him, so he already told them he's going to leave. But then you're like, well, but he could just come back for $3 million if he wanted and play on this team and just be the third or fourth receiver and have a chance to make the playoffs. Um, offensively for the Cardinals today, they go out, they get Rodney Hudson. This is potentially a great move by Steve Keim, and it is not as egregious as what the Texans did with DeAndre Hopkins last year. That was, I mean, it was just insane. But the reaction around the league when it was announced yesterday the Raiders might just let Rodney Hudson go was like, what? 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 Like, it was unanimously like, have they lost their mind? And I credit Steve Keim. Last year he did this with the Texans. Oh, you guys, you're, for some reason Bill O'Brien doesn't value DeAndre Hopkins? Well, here, how about you take this David Johnson contract off our hands and we'll, we'll go ahead and take DeAndre Hopkins off your hands. He looks at the Raiders yesterday and is like, wait, you guys are going to let this guy go? This is exactly what we need. We need a veteran center who many people consider the best center in the game. Kevin Seifert on ESPN.com, they did a ranking of all the free agents and, and Hudson wasn't a free agent. But they also did a uh, just evaluating each of the moves, and he said definitely a top five uh, center in the NFL. You look back some of his uh, some of the stats: three sacks allowed in his last thirty five hundred pass block attempts. The guy does not give up sacks. Uh, like I said, Kevin Seifert calling him a top five, top five center. Field Yates saying that he's among the most reliable offensive linemen linemen, not just centers, in the entire NFL. Pro Football Focus has Rodney Hudson ranked as the best pass-blocking center since 2015, and they got him for a third-rounder. Now, yesterday it may have sounded like, oh, you can just sign him. You don't have to give anything up. If it had played out that way, he may have gone to Kansas City because the Chiefs were willing to, it sounds like, willing to really go all in on him. So probably better that it came down to a trade and the Cardinals could step in and say, here's our third-rounder. We don't draft a lot of great players in the third round anyway. You give us a seventh rounder for I don't even know what reason. You give us Rodney Hudson. And now look, our offensive line has one of the best centers in the game, a position that was a weakness for a good chunk of last year. Now all of a sudden you you are among the best in the league at that position. You can debate how much of an upgrade J.J. Watt is over Hassan Reddick. I think it's a big one. You can debate how big of an upgrade A.J. Green is over Larry Fitzgerald if it comes down to that. And we don't know who they're going to replace Patrick Peterson with. But the upgrade the Cardinals made at center is significant. Absolutely. <laughs> you look like you were going to say something well, profound. Well, I have to do some work back here. Oh, okay. But, I'm sorry. 
at the same time, when you go from, I heard Burns and Gambo talking about it, when you go from the PFF ranked 31st overall center to the PFF ranked 8th overall center, I think that's an upgrade. That's, yeah. And that's exactly what Kyler Murray wanted, too, was help on the line. And they got it. Doesn't miss games is is just stable right in the middle of that line. You already have DJ Humphreys over there on the left side, so that's huge. Uh, more Cardinals in just a moment. We'll wrap up the reload. The Phoenix Suns did make a trade today. They get Torrey Craig in part of a a bigger deal. Craig's not the big name in this deal. I mean, P.J. Tucker goes to Milwaukee. D.J. Augustine and D.J. Wilson among the names going to Houston. So the Suns just kind of slid in there, got Torrey Craig, a guy they like for his uh, his defensive presence, gives him some depth. You know, it's not a guy that's going to step in and play a lot, but this is clearly a playoff team with aspirations to do more than just make the playoffs. So you get some depth there. Gave up cash considerations, so not uh, not not much of a uh, not much of a, a price tag there for the Phoenix Suns. All right, we come back. Want to get back into the Patrick Peterson news and what this Cardinals defense looks like now? It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Oh, the NFL is so good at this. It's the middle of March. March Madness is this week. March Madness starts technically tomorrow with those first four games. Spring training is going on. Regular season starts in like two weeks. Right, NBA games on in here. NHL, these all these other sports closing in on the playoffs. All we are talking about tonight is football, and for good reason, because the Arizona Cardinals look dramatically different than they did certainly a couple days ago, but really they look dramatically different than they did when you woke up this morning. Uh, we didn't even mention Matt Prater. Now you got your kicker. Oh my gosh, I love Matt Prater. Matt Prater, who, unless something, unless I missed something, owns the record for the longest field goal made in NFL history. 64, 64 yards. Yeah. In in the Denver's increased altitude, I'll give it that, but I still think he could have made it anywhere else if he wanted to. How is he between 40 and 49 yards? Because that's all I really care about for the Cardinals. I mean, here, I had his release open earlier. They had a stat on Prater with... Not 40-yarders, but 50-yarders? Yeah. Oh, i got to find it now. Well, he's he is a solid addition that obviously gets lost in the shuffle because, you know, he's a kicker, and they went out and they trade for Rodney Hudson. They sign A.J. Green. Um, Hassan Reddick gone. Patrick Peterson's gone. And we're going to focus on, on defense in this particular segment, and certainly a lot of the, uh, lot of the focus is on Patrick Peterson, who just signed with Minnesota about two hours ago. So... There you go. One-year deal. Patrick Peterson is gone. Now, this is interesting. The All Things Covered podcast, I had this lined up to play on the show tonight, and then Peterson obviously went and signed. But this is Bryant McFadden, so this is Patrick Peterson's co-host on the show, and this is from earlier today. This is not from like a month ago. This is from earlier today. And I'm just going to play it. Everybody can make their own uh, generalizations as to what you thought this meant, but I, I will say this. I sort of assumed when these two were talking, the teams they were bringing up, there was there was a specific reason they were bringing those teams up. Like, you know how you talk to somebody that is a beat writer that covers a team or somebody that, that you know, is, is tied in around the NBA and they have all these connections and they tell you stuff and they're like, they're not, they're not, they're not giving you a scoop, they're not breaking news, but they're just kind of like talking and you're having a conversation with them about basketball and you, you know, like, they're not reporting stuff, they're not saying things as outright fact but generally if they're hinting at something it's been because they've been told that from people that know what's going on or from the actual players involved 
So I took Patrick Peterson and Bryant McFadden talking about their top four team predictions as to where Patrick Peterson would go earlier today to mean it probably actually is one of these four teams. And it wasn't. My number one would be the Arizona Cardinals, of course, you know, trying to lock you back up in the desert. I think that only makes sense, right? That only makes sense. My number two would be the New York Jets. They have a lot of funds available. They need to spend that money. And I think bringing in a, a, an elite guy like yourself, a veteran leader, instantly would change the makeup of their locker room. So I think that only makes sense because of the funds they have available. And we know they've been a bottom dweller tween team for quite some time. My number three, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That only makes sense because Bruce Arians loves you like a child, like, like you was his son or something <laughs> like that. And then you got Todd Bowles, who loves you dearly, your DB uh-huh. coach. Everybody on that staff loves Pat P. So I think that only makes sense. And that's uh-huh. your home state. That's yeah. huge, your home yeah. state. And then the last team, and knowing how the free agent – market works in the National Football League. There's always a team in your division always a that tries, there's always a sleeping team in your division that tries to take an opposing player away from a rival. And I think mm-hmm. that team in your division would be the San Francisco 49ers. All right, well, he went to Minnesota. I guess Bryant McFadden wasn't one of Pat P's sources. I guess not. Uh, Although, in, in fairness to McFadden, those are four really good guesses. Well, I would say three of them are really good guesses. I thought he you was didn't going like to the Tampa. Jets one. No, and you could hear Patrick Peterson's reaction like, okay, thanks for I, suggesting I go to the Jets. I'll slightly defend him on that only because look at the money that they've spent already. I mean, what was the three year contract they gave to Corey Davis? Yeah, like $37 million. And then they. That was the only one I remember, honestly, but I know they've they've, they've been active. That felt like a move where the Jets were like, oh, it's free agency. We better make a move, too, so our fans know that we care. And Corey Davis could be fine, but there are other receivers that went for less than him than I'd rather have if I were the Jets, who aren't going to do anything anyway. Um, I thought he was going to Tampa. You could have convinced me. You could have convinced me to stay with the Cardinals. You could have convinced me Kansas City, too, because... Based on the quote that he gave on his podcast last week, that was Brian McFadden talking there. Patrick Peterson talking last week said, I want to go to a team with a really good quarterback that has a chance to win. Well, who's a better chance to win than Tampa, who just won the Super Bowl, has Bruce Arians, has Todd Bowles, so it's that's that's more personal if you're going to play in a defense that you've played in before, or go to Kansas City, play alongside Tyron Matthew, and I mean, those are the last two Super Bowl winners and the last two teams to meet in the Super Bowl. I thought he was going to one of those two. My hesitation if he had come back to the Cardinals is it It never really felt like he wanted to. You know what I mean? It would almost felt like the Cardinals didn't necessarily want Patrick Peterson, but there wasn't a better option. And Patrick Peterson didn't necessarily want to be with the Cardinals, but he wasn't getting that much more money anywhere else. It would have been like a couple that's like staying together just because they don't have any other options. He kind of made his own bet on this one. Yeah. I mean... You mentioned it earlier, that 2018 season where he was suspended and he made a fuss about wanting to be traded out. And the very same Brian McFadden two years ago said, oh, he wants to go to New Orleans. I think Pep, he kind of did this to himself. Which I believed two years ago, but now I don't know because Brian McFadden thought he would go to the Jets. <laughs> I don't know what to <laughs> maybe, believe. Maybe he's not the best predictor. And, and I guess you know how we feel about the network that he works for in general. I just think with with... Peterson leaving, I I wouldn't have wanted him back under those circumstances. Like J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt wanted to come to Arizona. Like, it's a big deal because you got J.J. Watt, certainly also, by the way, the same draft as A.J. Green and Patrick Peterson. But um, 
But it, but JJ Watt, like part of what was so cool about that was it was like, yeah, I'm working with uh, with Marie Tillman. I've been working on something with the Pat Tillman Foundation for the last six months when I was still playing for Houston. Here's a here's yeah, I'm going to break the news myself with me in a Cardinals uniform. Like I love what they're doing there, DeAndre Hopkins. Like I got that connection. It's going to be fun to line up alongside Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones is going to make me dinner. He said he was going to. That was part of this. Like it felt like not only hey we're getting JJ Watt. JJ Watt wants to be here. If Patrick Peterson had signed with the Cardinals today, it would have felt like they don't have a better option. I don't have a better option. So here we go. Like, we kind of right. resigned ourselves because the cornerback market is not that great. This it is not. Season. It absolutely Especially is not. given the current situation with the cap and everybody's going to be averaging out on one-year deals anyway. I mean, Pat got a one-year deal. And I remember Gambo was putting out his predictions as to what he would get depending on where he would go. He predicted along the lines of about 13, 14 for a non-contender, 10 for a contender. Yeah. Granted, Josh Weinfuss said yesterday that a playoff team in the last two seasons was part of that. And semantics aside, Minnesota was in the playoffs two years ago. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to fault Patrick Peterson for going after the money. I just, I felt like. I felt like a team like Tampa Bay would step in and be like, hey, we'll give you, and we don't know. But, I mean, if Tampa Bay, if I'm Patrick Peterson and Tampa Bay is offering me $7.5 million and Minnesota is offering me ten, I'm going to Tampa because it's not just, hey, I think this team's going to be good. Again, he's got the ties to Bruce Arians, the ties to... The ties to Todd Bowles might even be a bigger deal, again, because that's that specifically impacts how he plays on the field. But maybe that offer never came. I mean, Tampa doesn't have a ton of money. Um I'm just, you know, the Vikings, it kind of feels like if you're if you're a Cardinals fan with any sort of fear in your mind, like, oh, now Patrick Peterson's going to burn us. I mean, by the nature of that position, it is, it is tough to burn the other team if you're supposed to be a shutdown corner. But secondly, it's like, where'd he go? Oh, Minnesota. All right. Well, you know, good for him. He got, he got his money. We're never going to hear from him again because he's playing for the Vikings. Uh, we come back. We'll get into the uh, what the Cardinals did on the offensive side of the football today. A huge acquisition that really... We're not going to see stats from this guy next season, not directly, but we could see this offense take a huge step forward because of one name in particular. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. You should, um, this is one of those days where it's like, there's so much going on, you should just stay in your car and drive around the city and listen to the show and listen to our station because there's a lot of, a lot of Cardinals news going or on. Or download the Arizona Sports app what? and listen live to the best two-hour evening show in the Valley. Wow, that's, I like that. You should stick around. Mitch Rell is behind the glass tonight, and uh, I hope they're paying you extra for that line right there. Um, we focused a lot on the defense with Patrick Peterson leaving to go to Minnesota, and Hassan Reddick leaving to go to Carolina, both on one-year deals. Peterson gets $10 million, reportedly, for his one year in Minnesota, and uh, and Hassan Reddick to Carolina. Now I have all these numbers thrown around. It was eight for Reddick. It was uh, six plus in, uh, potentially two in incentives. We'll get back into the defensive side of things. I'm getting a lot of tweets, a lot of, uh, this, is, this is a polarizing move. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the Cardinals' direct decision. I mean, I guess they had to agree to let Patrick Peterson go. We'll get into that next segment. I want to get over to the offensive side of the football, though, because that's where the Cardinals made their moves today. And they go out, they make this trade for Rodney Hudson, which, as I said earlier, this has become Steve Kimes' biggest strength as a general manager is recognizing a situation where a team is about to make a mistake and stepping in and being like, 
hey, we'll help you make that mistake. Because he did it last year, clearly, with uh, with the Houston Texans when they were melting down and Bill O'Brien was like, I'm going to be fired soon. I'm going to destroy the team on my way out the door. And, you know, credit to Houston. They decided even after Bill O'Brien got fired, they were going to keep self-destructing. But um, so, and look, I mean, you can make a case that, that Steve Kime took advantage there too and went out and got J.J. Watt, who should not have been released. But uh, I guess at least Rodney Hudson, at least the Raiders were smart enough to get something when they saw the demand for him. The Cardinals step in, a guy that should not be, should not by any accounts have been available. And the Cardinals step in, they trade a third rounder, and they get Rodney Hudson, who is widely considered one of the best centers in the game, and one of the steadiest centers, doesn't miss games, hasn't given up a sack since... What was it, January of 2017, the last time he gave up a sack? I heard three sacks within like a five-year span. Three sacks in his last roughly 3,500 pass block attempts. I mean, that's not even that's not even 1%. What is that, a, a tenth of a percent almost? I think that was also the amount of sacks Hassan Reddick had prior to last season. <laughs> that's true. Maybe they were matched up against each other for four years. Um, so you bring in a guy like that, and I can't help but wonder. I brought this up with Gambo earlier when he was on. Is offensive line a strength of this team now? And Gambo, and I rightly said, it's been it's been trending towards being a strength in recent years, ever since Sean Kugler got here. But Mitch, now you look at it, you've got DJ Humphreys has taken the next step on the left side. You've got other decent pieces there, like Kelvin Beecham is is is, is a solid piece, but specifically DJ Humphreys and now Rodney Hudson and the glue holding it all together and the reason this offensive line started getting better two years ago, Sean Kugler. I mean, frankly, the bigger part of the whole Rodney Hudson deal is now they have depth mm-hmm. on the line and solid, young depth on the line. Lamont Gilliard, Justin Murray. Now you can move Mason Cole off if you have to. And you still have, you won't have J.R. Sweezy, but you still have Justin Pugh. Did, you feel a lot better about the line today than you did when Corey Lindsley signed with the Chargers two days ago. This is yeah. This right. is one heck of a consolation prize if you couldn't get Lindsay. Consolation prize that is going to cost less and and is probably better than yeah. Lindsley. I mean, they're both very good. So don't get me wrong. It wouldn't have been like oh, the Cardinals signed Lindsley and then Rodney Hudson became available and the Cardinals would have been miserable. Like no, they would have taken either one. But you're paying at least right now. They may re end up redoing his deal or whatever. But you get Rodney Hudson and this is uh, this is Kelvin Beecham because he's coming back too. Talking about his relationship with Sean Kugler, and the only reason I bring this up is because the offensive line has been getting stronger before they even added Hudson, and Kugler's going to have more of a, he's going to have an expanded role in terms of the offense next year, and I do just wonder, Not I'm not sitting here saying, well, if, if Kingsbury doesn't get this team to the playoffs, Sean Kugler's the next head coach. I'm not saying that, but Kugler is is carving out a bigger role in terms of his voice within this offense, and it's because he's making this offensive line legit. And listen to listen to the the glowing recommendation from Kelvin Beecham on on Sean Coogler. Um, I would say it is probably the single most important factor, and why I signed the deal last year, and why I'm and why I'm still here today. Honestly, um, Sean Coogler is a big reason why um, I made the decision to come out to the desert. Um, you know last year and and really probably one of the single most important reasons why I signed back this year. Um, Sean Kugler is the guy that stood on the table and drafted me in 2012. 
Um, we've had a, a great rapport and a great relationship over the years. Um, I probably wouldn't play right tackle for another coach, just being honest with you. Um, but I have, like I said, a, a very deep appreciation, very, very deep appreciation for Sean, um, his family, um, and everything that he stands for. So he played a, a very, very integral role um, in, in me making that decision to come back again. Yeah, that, that quote there towards the end, I probably wouldn't play right tackle for a different coach. That's a pretty glowing review. Yeah, that's Especially telling. at Kelvin's point in his career. Yeah. After spending as long as he did with the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, the offensive line for the longest time for the Cardinals was a huge weakness, and we were all like, why? This is what Steve Kime knows is the offensive line. And to be fair, some years it was guys getting hurt. You can't really control that. But now it's like it was already much better last year, and now you add a piece like Rodney Hudson. I said this earlier in the day. Where would the Cardinals be without the Houston Texans and the and the Oakland slash Vegas Raiders over the last, I don't know, when did they make the Carson Palmer deal, like eight years ago? eight, nine years ago. You get DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt, among others, from Houston in the last basically 13 months. From the Raiders, you've gotten Carson Palmer for basically nothing. Jared Valdir, now Rodney Hudson. And I know Valdir, you know, when he first got here from from Oakland at the time, was very good. (laughs) Like, they have been able to just pick apart the Raiders and the Texans over the last few years. And the Raiders are a weird team. I mean, they came in, Gruden came in and immediately traded away Khalil Mack and then spent the year talking about how great it would be to have a pass rusher. Granted, there was the time that the Raiders kind of fleeced the Cardinals, right? When the Cardinals thought Josh Rosen was the quarterback of the future? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I, Yeah, it's it, that wasn't, they didn't give up that much in that deal. But you're right. I mean, that, No, but it's a guy who's no longer on the team. Yeah. In, in but re- I mean, in retrospect, it looks bad to get. Well, yeah, picking Rosen does, does not look good at this point. Um, I want to play this clip from Max Starks talking about the value of a center uh, on a team like this, especially with a young quarterback. And and we, you know, we saw the sort of inexperienced Mason Cole's not super experienced when he was there last year. I mean, they they just. I think this is going to be one of those moves that, like I said earlier, you can't measure it in stats directly, but Kyler Murray's stats should be better, and the receivers should have better stats, and whoever the running back is should have a better stat, and the offense should score more points per game. This is Max Starks on with Bickley and Murata today. The center position is unique because he has to know just about everything outside of the true stoppage of a route that a quarterback needs to know. So he needs to understand front ID. He needs to understand blitz tendencies. He needs to understand where the hot is. Can he re-mic to make sure you cover up said hot so that you can keep the quarterback good? Because if he knows that a guy is not going to be blitzing, but yet you're counting him, it's like, nah, he's not blitzing. Look, Look at the safety rotation. Boom, let's take the mic back. Now everything's locked up. You don't have to worry about those corner fires or a guy coming free or a tackle having to do what we call a two-for-one, right? I got to look at support guy and the down lineman and take the most dangerous of the two. We call it MDM, most dangerous man. Now he could potentially take that away to where you just have man responsibility. And a smart center, a center who's been in this league, who's savvy and experienced, gives your quarterback that extra blanket. Huge deal for the Cardinals today. You don't see a lot of moves that are just unanimously like, wow, across the league. Wow, good, great move. We saw it last year when they traded for DeAndre Hopkins, but that trades like that should never happen. This one is not nearly as egregious. And like I said, if the Raiders knew they were getting rid of 
Hudson anyway. At least they took a step back and they were like, wait, a bunch of teams want this guy. Let's get something. I will gladly give up the Cardinals third round pick for a guy that is supposed to be one of the very best centers in the entire league and has been that way, not just for a year, but you know, grading out on like pro football focus, best center since 2015, best pass blocking center since 2015. And just a guy that's been doing this for a while, very steady. And that's exactly what the Cardinals needed up front. All right, we come back, we'll wrap up the show. We'll just take a look overall at what the Cardinals have potentially to uh, to still address going forward. There are positions now that they have to fill. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Well, you can always tweet into the show at Rundown987. I'm just reading some of the tweets to my direct account at Luke Lipinski here tonight. Um, Stavo, this is a simple one. Good riddance at P2, hashtag diva. Ew. All right. Uh, Brian Johnson writes in, you can never have too many corners. Ray writes in, go get Lattimore. That'd be nice. Uh, Mike Paris wrote in, this hurts. This hurt. Um, There's a lot of mixed, I would say, in general, it feels like Cardinals fans, just based off of, uh, there's a lot lot of responses here. I would say, I would say probably 70-30. Does that seem about fair, Mitch? 70% of Cardinals fans are like, fine, leave. And about 30% are like, yeah, okay, but who are we getting? And I feel like at the same time, 100% of people were resigned to the thought of him leaving before this. Yeah. But now everyone's opinions are starting to come out. Yeah. I mean, and again, you know, the, the, the Vikings will be at State Farm Stadium for a game this year. We don't know when that is, but the Cardinals play the Vikings this year. So you're going to get your chance, most likely, to show Patrick Peterson how you feel. And it is a mixed legacy at this point. Ten years with the Cardinals. I'm doing the math right. He was in that 2011 draft where the Cardinals have all their players from. Um, same draft as Rodney Hudson and J.J. Watt and A.J. Green. Right? That's it's all of them. <laughs> Okay. Literally all of them. Everybody. Um, up until 2018, I maintain Patrick Peterson wasn't just a fan favorite, but was one of the all-time fan favorites in this city among Cardinals fans. 2018, and Mitch, you said it earlier, he did this to himself. Things are going really south. Everybody on the team is struggling. It's brutal for the fans. Team won three games that year, and I don't even remember how they won the three games, to be honest. I remember a game where Josh Rosen heaved a long pass to Christian Kirk against San Francisco early, and then it just kind of held up. I actually remember all three wins, now that I think about it. They uh, beat the Niners twice. Yep, in Green Bay. Because Garoppolo was out the whole year, and then the missed field goal by Mason Crosby to end the game in Green Bay. Green Bay won made no sense, because Green Bay wasn't bad back then. They're not bad now, but... um. Up until that point, you have all that going on, and then Patrick Peterson is hinting he wants out and kind of being like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to demand a trade and all this stuff. And that that's just, that's not, yeah, just, it doesn't make him a bad guy. It doesn't undo what he did in his first seven-plus years here. But you couple that with the then getting suspended for the first six games of the Kyler Murray-Cliff Kingsbury era. I mean, whatever you think of Cliff, he had to come in and immediately deal with that. And and also Patrick Peterson's play dropping off while talking like he's still one of the very best. And again, I understand you're a competitor. You need to talk like you're one of the very best. You need to feel like you're one of the very best when you go out there. But you have to understand how that probably rubs fans the wrong way. When Cardinals fans see Patrick Peterson as, this guy's not as good as he used to be. Vikings fans, I'm sure, are looking and being like, we just got Patrick Peterson. You know, He's better than, than anybody that's out there. And both those things are kind of true. It's just your perspective. 
If you're the Vikings, you just upgraded your second corner, probably. If you're the Cardinals, you know, you're like, yeah, this guy, we saw him at his best. He's not that guy anymore. And it's, it's not close, and he keeps talking like he is. And so I just, I do wonder what his legacy is going to be like. What, what, uh, you know, how he's going to be received when the Vikings come here and, you know, if he comes back and plays here three years from now, whether it's with the Vikings or somebody else, because he did choose to leave and it kind of felt like for the last two years, fair or not, kind of felt like he had one foot out the door, you know? It's, it, it also just feels like a lot of the negative attention towards Pat P kind of has to do with more so the diminished skill set yeah, rather than the personality that he was. I bet if you asked fans on losing the personality that is Pat P... It would be more in the more on the side of oh we don't want him to leave. I mean the impact that he had here for ten years. Would you be upset if Larry Fitzgerald left because of his diminished skill set? No, you're upset because of the attachment that he has made to this city for almost two decades. Yeah, and that's I fully fully understand Patrick Peterson's attachment to the valley is nowhere near what Larry Fitzgerald's is. To be honest, there's not very many athletes in the history of this city. Cardinals, Suns, Coyotes, D-backs that have that attachment to the Valley that Larry Fitzgerald does. But if you go back to, say, 2017, Patrick Peterson was right there as far as who's second on the Cardinals for having the attachment to the Valley. Certainly on those teams. I mean, you can go back and say, okay, Kurt Warner took him to a Super Bowl, and yeah, you can find other names. But, I mean, Patrick Peterson had played his whole career up until a couple hours ago with the Cardinals. He had been great for a good chunk of time. But I understand he chose to leave. And like I said, it, it, it felt like for a while there he had one foot out the door, really, for like the last two years. Whether that's fair or not, he put that perception out there. And he chooses to go to the Vikings, which makes it look like it was more about money than anything else. Which, nothing wrong with that. But I'm just trying to figure out how the fans are going to react when the Vikings come to town this season. It just feels like an odd divorce, but you're trying to hide the divorce from your kids the yeah. whole time. It's like a separation. Because Steve Kime's saying, oh, we want Pat back. Michael Bidwell, oh, we would love to have Pat back. Pat, oh, I would love to come back to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. But it's not in my hands. It does. It's like explaining to the kids, like, oh, daddy's not going to be around anymore? Why? Because he can't cover the other like team's number other. one receiver. We oh. still like each other. We just won't see each other all that much anymore. It does feel like a divorce after they've they've already been separated for like two years or something. Right. Now, now what's interesting now for the Cardinals going forward, and, and certainly keep it tuned here tomorrow, um, they got to figure out what they're doing at running back now. I mean, they have an offensive line that can block. They've got receivers. Assume you know you you hope AJ Green can can be somewhere close to what he was a couple years ago. But is it going to be Kenyon Drake? Is it going to be Chris Carson? Is it going to be Mike Davis? Um, you know, there's there are options out there. Teams don't pay a lot for running backs. Successful teams don't. But you have to have a good running back. That's the conundrum there. You don't want to pay long term for a running back because they break down so quickly in this league. But you're going to have to get one. But yeah, crazy day for the Cardinals. Tomorrow won't be that crazy, but it's, it's still craziness. Mitch, thanks for uh, for jumping in. I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been the Rundown on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.